Thank you, Ruth. If you're here next week, you'll be able to see Ruth getting baptised. Because we're doing, yeah, right. We're looking forward to that um, on Sunday morning next week. All right. Uh, two short messages today. I've got the first. Um, stepping in for Adam, who's sick at home. Um, Stacey's going to bring the second with a broken toe. Um, we're a little, we're limping around a little bit uh, as a team, but um, the Word of God is alive and powerful. This is Hebrews four verse twelve. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Why is the Word of God alive and powerful? Um, not because that book kind of, like it's depicted here, is like bursting with something. And then when you open it, you just get flooded and you can't help but because of the light, the actual light that kind of bursts out, not because of that, not because the, the, the app, you know, has the power that you, you load a Bible app on your phone and it instantly cleans up your whole kind of history of everything. It's not, I mean, it's not alive and powerful in and of itself. Why is the Word of God alive and powerful? or living and active in some of our translations. What is so powerful about, it's just ink on a page, it's just words on a screen. Why is it alive and powerful? Because God is alive and powerful, and he's spoken through, no, he's speaking through his word. The word of God is alive and powerful because when we read that, when we reflect on that, when we hear that, it is the living God, it's the creator God, it is the, it is the architect of this whole world and the, and the person who made you and me and, and knit us together in our mother's womb. It is the, who holds us and everything in the palm of his hand. It sustains our very breath just by the word of his mouth to whom we are held accountable at the end of our lives. That God is speaking. He's alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between um, soul and spirit, uh, joint and marrow. I don't know if you've had this experience where you're in the middle of something and you think, I kind of, I feel upset, I feel angry, I feel uh, justified in my anger, I feel annoyed, I feel stressed, I feel worried. And you think, oh, if I go to God, I know what's going to happen. He's going to expose my innermost thoughts and desires. He's going to cut through all of this these excuses and his rationalization. Because I can say to other people, well, when I said that, what I actually meant was that. Or I did that, but I was actually not meaning to. And God's going, I know what you meant. I know what you were thinking. I know what you wanted in that um, space. And then we, you know, when you're angry and you, and you read James 4 and it says, what caused that fight and that quarrel among you? It was you. It was your desires raging within you because you wanted something and you couldn't get it. And you should ask God because he'll give you what you need. Oh, you know, that kind of device. Or, or when you're panicking about how you're going to look after yourself and you're in Timothy and it says, don't trust your money. Like, don't. And Jesus says, you can't serve money and me. And this line, life isn't measured by how much you own. What? Seriously, life isn't measured. But there's other measures for life that are really, really important. Money is not one of them. It just divides in, opens us up 
at a heart level. Or this one, when I've justified my anger towards somebody else and Jesus says, you have to forgive that person from your heart. Well, doesn't the word of God, doesn't the living God through his word expose our innermost thoughts and desires? Uh, a few weeks ago, I just I read this line, Psalm 119, beautiful Psalm, verse 73. You made me, you formed me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Next verse. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he's the one to whom we're accountable. You just sit there for a bit. Think about like nothing, nothing. In the furthest history, way back when, before anyone who currently knows you knew you, even when you're a teenager and you did that or thought that or wanted that or whatever, even that, yep, that. No matter how far back in time you go, nothing is hidden from God. It's naked and exposed and laid bare and before him. What about if it was somewhere else? You know, what happens in Vegas kind of thing? No. Wherever I go, there I am, and God is everywhere, and nothing is hidden from God. You know the, the way that we kind of go, we look back on a situation and we think, I was there, and I said this, and, and I wanted that, and, and, and the problem was out here, and I was like, but God knows what you wanted then, what you did then. Like the depth of our motivation that we don't even know or that we disguise or that we hide or that we deliberately kind of put to the back of our mind, it is utterly exposed before God. And that's the end of the first part of this talk. And Stacey's going to pick it up. Uh, because we need to sit here. Um, before we hear the provision of Jesus for us in that space. Um, and in the gap, we're going to get Stace and Ella to come and give us an object lesson. Thanks. Okay. It's like Ella's last thing for service here, so um, it's a little bit exciting. All right. Made a bit of a mess here, Ella. <laughs> um, so we wanted to show you what it would be like to go through Jesus, yeah? Um, this is us. Filthy, dirty, everything exposed, clear, laid bare, just as Danny said. Yeah. And to go through Jesus, Jesus has got like... Three parts to him. I'm saying like lots, sorry. Um, the cotton wool. Jesus' humanity. He was here. This is really important for us to fully grasp. Essential to our faith. His humanity. And then he died. To remove all our sin. 
But we have to grasp that he died. He can't have just hidden in the cave for a little while. It had to be death. And then he rose again, fully overcoming it. It's three parts to Jesus. With those three parts, we can then wash ourselves through him, our muddy, filthy, dirty selves. Through Jesus, it takes some time. There it is. Yeah, we did less sand, so it's less clean. Oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, well, maybe we need to go through again and again and again and again. Yeah, it's definitely cleaner. Yeah, more sand, more Jesus means we're more clean. Yeah, takes a lot longer though. <laughs> yep. So as you remember this, just remember you need Jesus. I know, what am I doing? All right, should we finish that off? Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, I'll take that. No, we're not making juices, darling. You can't drink this. It's dirt. Who's feeling a bit ick after Danny's message? Yeah? Fully opened up, laid bare. It's a bit gross. Actually, when I first started reading these messages, I went, and I said to Danny, oh, nah, I'm not the one to get up there. I've not got this right. I'm, I'm, I'm really aware of my past. Especially when you read that. Really aware of my sin really aware of my vulnerabilities, especially at the moment. God sees everything. And I love how he just left us with that. But that's not what the Bible does, and that's the great thing about the Bible. The Hebrews writer gives us the answer to how we're feeling right now. Verse 16, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most, boldly. Other translations say, with confidence. The Passion translation said, come freely. And those words are really easy to speak, but how really easy are they to actually do? When we've been laid bare, opened up, when we're fully aware of every sin that's in our lives, which let's face it, we are on a regular basis and we do it constantly. So when we're laid like that, is it easy to go boldly to our Father? Mercy has to come from above. Can't come from peer. Has to come from above. Mercy is something we don't deserve. You're in a classroom. You didn't study. You didn't hand the homework in. You've just been given the results of your test and you failed, like miserably. 
and you throw the desk and you yell at the teacher because it's her fault. And the teacher comes up to you and she puts the desk down. She doesn't send you to the principal's office and she doesn't give you detention. Mercy. You deserve those things. Mercy. Grace. She then goes a bit further. She gives you the hug and she says, I know what's going on at home. I love you. How about we do this test together? And I'll sit next to you and I'll give you the answers. Grace. It's not going to happen in a school, but it absolutely happens with our father. He's going to give us the tools that we need to do this. A couple of weeks ago I stood up here and I said, come, you know, it was the next verse, sorry. Verse 14. So then since we have a great high priest who has entered the throne, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. It was that word again, hold firmly. And if you, the high priest is really important here. And if you haven't heard Anthony's message, go back. But I heard these words, hold firmly to what we believe. It's that thing, yeah? It's the answer to the question. He knows that we're open bare. He knows that we can't do this on our own. He knows that our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities and everything that's on us is heavy. And he wants us to come boldly. And he says, it's okay. Just hold firmly onto your faith. That's why it's important to acknowledge all of Jesus, the earthly Jesus, the humanity, the fact that he did die for us and his godly part. Because when you hold firmly to all of Jesus, he'll walk you to the space of being able to go boldly. Jesus was the necessary sacrifice to pay our debts. And he did it willingly. We don't do it so well all the time. So on Thursday, I was getting better with my toe, yeah? I was wearing shoes, I was starting to walk around. On Thursday, they said, oh, I've possibly got a bone infection. I was like, no, I did everything right. That's not fair. No, I reject that. No, I got all angry and upset and furious, actually, and I stormed into someone's office and I was like, I, this is not fair and I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm like, ah. Oh. I'm vulnerable, I'm weak. I was reminded to go to God. And it's funny, my toe still hurts. (laughs) But I'm okay with it. Like I know that God's with me. I'm going to keep leaning into him through this. I know that there's something in this for me. And I'm seeking him in every day to find my answer through my weakness. I'm not getting angry. I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to use the words, it's not fair. I'm just going to lean into Jesus. I'm fully forgiven in that space. We're going to go into a time of communion now because we felt that that message was a communion message, yeah? Take your sins straight to God. And the team are going to come up and play the song, O Come to the Altar. So as you start thinking about it, laid bare, 
hold firmly, Kadeko to Jesus. Take it all to him. Let him wash you clean. More of him so the water goes slow and he's clean. <laughs> More of Jesus. Seek him in every space. Go boldly. Jesus, he's paid the price fully for you. Receive his mercy that you do not deserve and his loving grace to help you through. He'll give you everything you need.